Celebration 9. Morning. Welcome to church. Sierra, welcome to church. Thank you. You talk for a second while I put my time up on here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would have a conversation with you guys. There we go. Like, I'm good. No, that was no fast. Feedback from there's no feedback. Talking, but, but that's okay. So yes. we'll just keep talking to the people online today. Yeah. So welcome to church. I was away last week. Yeah. Did you notice? I was away too. <laughs> So she didn't know it. That's fine. I went to Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario to visit my parents. And are, are these not on? Is that why? No, it's on. And it was yesterday. I, I flew back here and it was minus 31 yesterday. So I'm glad. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad I missed you guys. I really did. It's a different, it's a different world to not be here on a Sunday. Yeah. Right? It's weird that up a little bit more sorry we're not going to hear ourselves i don't think so we're just going to keep talking to the lovely folks joining us online so if you're watching from online today welcome so just to give you a little uh rundown of what to expect today we have pastor michael quinlan giving us the message we're doing a series a consecrated it's called consecrated series the consecrated series i don't know something like that (laughs) so pastor michael is continuing i believe this is week three and this week is going to be called for the cause so I missed last week's. I was actually wasn't even, I didn't even tune in because I was at church with my parents. But I'm excited to hear what he has. Usually, Pastor Michael, he has very convicting words for us. So yeah. I'm excited. Are you excited? excited? Oh, I'm always excited. You know, it's just, it's one of those Sundays. I feel like all hands are on deck. We have a few people that aren't with us today. We miss you guys. Yeah. But, you know, everyone's here and then we're all, we've been trained for this moment. So yes. I, I, I have faith in us. I have faith in our team. Oh, yeah. And you, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here today. Okay, thanks. Man, I don't know what else to say. I'm glad we, these people are here today. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's a great day. I'm I am honestly I can't tell you how thrilled I am about the weather this morning. I had my window open last night. It was zero degrees this morning. I was so happy. Like I can't even tell you how excited I am. But yeah, no, I, I'm just I'm looking forward to the day, and I feel like this week too has got something. God's got something really great for our church this year. Like this is our what is this our third week of 2022? Yeah. Yep. yep. Second. Sixth, and then whatever today's date is. Fifteen? Second, nah, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm just excited. I feel like God's got a lot for our church. Mm. And um, I don't know, just what's to come, right? Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any, like, do you do New Year's resolutions? I do, 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 but honestly, it came so quick. I didn't, I felt like I didn't even have the time to do it. It was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's only October. And then, boom, we're in 2022. We're rolling in. Yeah. And it's like, it's just it's like when it rains, it pours, right? Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that's what kind of the new year hit us all with. Like you're, you're going right from holidays into this new year. And especially for our church, we've got a lot of goals and visions that we want to start to like implement this coming year. So it's going to be a very exciting time. I don't know what I have for New Year's resolutions. I mean, I always want to say that I'm going to like set like a fitness goal. Yeah. Yep. I always want to say that, but I, I can't ever follow through. Me neither. I, I like I like working out, but like I can't go to the gym right now. Yeah, you know. So I did. I, did, I used to like. Well, I mean, I should have kept up with it. Maybe that's going to be one of my resolutions to yeah. stay fit. But oh, that's good. Um, last year that was again a goal of mine, and I did it up until maybe the, school, the start of school, and okay. then I was done. Well, that's not too bad. <laughs> you got a couple weeks in there. Yeah. I think maybe instead of setting a year resolution, try like small. Just set like a month or yeah. or like two weeks. And try that. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing this really crazy Bible reading plan. And I've been faithful up until like literally, no, no, I haven't read today, but I'm not, I'm not behind until a day that I, so I, I'm going to be a good 
a little bit. It is a thing. Sunday. We always used to say that Sunday is game day. I don't know if Pastor Brian started that. I don't know if it's because of football, but I'd always be like, hey, it's Sunday. It's game day. Oh, yeah. Are you ready for game day, Sierra? <laughs> yes, I am. Ready I'm ready for game, game day. day. How are we doing on time? Okay, we have 30 seconds. Okay. So let's do like our closing spiel. So you're going to love the worship set today. We have 40 seconds. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I feel like this week, you're really going to be blessed with our message and with our worship. We've got an awesome set for worship today. You're going to, you're not going to want to miss. And if you're watching from online, take the moment to be intentional about service. We always say this, but you know, get a notebook, you know, put, put the kids in their rooms, <laughs> do whatever you have to do to stay focused to the service. Don't neglect your children, but you know what I'm saying? Sometimes. So yeah, yeah. Be, <laughs> be here, be present. We will see you in the after nine show with Pastor Luke LaBeouf. Morning, I9 Church. Well, I look, you're like, our screen's going If you're able to stand, over, please stand with me. Sudden, Hello to everyone that's at home. I know a lot of you are at home right now. Please uh, join us as we begin.
Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'll justify this is my testimony oh I'm alive this is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Oh, Praise us. 
Joshua says this morning be strong and courageous we're living in a day and hour that we're going to have to be strong and courageous we're living in very difficult and hard to deal with times but greater is he that is in us he's brought us this far 
why would we hesitate and think that he won't bring us to the very end amen he says do not be frightened do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go he's here this morning he's worthy of our praise and that's why it's such a privilege to gather together in his name to exalt his mighty name I love him and the good news is he loves us right where we're at so this morning we're going to have communion later let's take this time to come into your presence and open up our hearts to him so that we can approach communion with a fresh boldness that he loves us and he's got our best interests at heart so let's continue to worship him this morning with joy and gladness in Jesus name amen Thank 
start praying in the Holy Ghost and invite the Holy Spirit to come to prepare our hearts to what he's got for us before we leave this house he's in this house now because he's a miracle working God and he desires to do miracles I exhort you this morning to put a demand on the gifts of miracles this morning and think of someone that you know that needs a touch from God and I expect for his presence to be so strong this morning to meet that that every need that we extend to him today because that's who he is he is a miracle working God just ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us to overflowing let's start praying in our heavenly language this morning to let the river of life flow out of this house this morning. Holy Spirit, come. We hunger and thirst for more of you this morning. Release the rivers of life to flow out of this place, Lord God. Lord, we open up our hearts to you this morning in total surrender, Father. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, Lord, in each of our lives this morning. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name the name that's above every name is hallowed it's consecrated 
and it's set apart. Let's cultivate such a reverence in each of our lives for that name that's above every name, that wonderful name of Jesus. We exalt that name this morning. We magnify and glorify that name this morning. We extol your name this morning. We lift him up. We declare his name to be a name above every name where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Holy Spirit, come this morning. Let the birth and expectancy in each of our hearts this morning that the miracle working God is in this house. For this very cause, for the cause of the name of Jesus, Father God, I pray Matthew 16, 24 this morning. Then Jesus says to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself or consecrate himself, set himself apart from the, the, the affairs of this world and take up his cross and follow me. Father, we come this morning and surrender to you. Let everything that is said and done in our midst this morning bring honor to the name above every name. That wonderful name of Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Yes, In Exodus 33, 15 to 16, it says, Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Yes, Lord. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and your people? If you don't go with us, for your presence among us, set your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. We should be getting consecrated every morning. We should invite Jesus into our lives every morning to be with us, to lead us, to guide us. We should never leave without having had communion with him and asking him to lead us to help us to live life on a daily basis so father god right now i just thank you that you are the one leading us and guiding us that we're giving our lives over to you most holy god on a daily basis that you won't let us move a step from where we're at unless you truly are the one leading us and showing us Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Bless each one of us, Lord God, with your powerful presence, with your anointing, yes, Lord. with your wisdom, yes, with Lord. your guidance. I thank you that we are your anointed people yes, here are. on this earth and that we're representing you well and that you can be proud of us that we are speed, a people who are of integrity. We are people who will stand strong for the truth of the word of God. I thank you that you are Lord, Master, and King of all, and that we can truly put our confidence, reliance, and everything into you 
that no matter what comes against us or no matter what you call us to do that you are with us protecting us and leading us and guiding us Exodus 19.10 says then the Lord told Moses go down and prepare people for my arrival Jesus is coming back soon he's preparing us for his arrival Look what he said to them. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them even wash their clothing. God is calling us to set ourselves apart for his noble use. Joshua 3.5 says, Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. I expect great wonders among us. We're going to see God's hand move in such a way that we're willing to believe him for. Father, I believe that you are the miracle-working guy, that you're more than able, more than willing. And Father, I just thank you. I put a demand on the gifts of the Spirit of God in this place this morning to draw from him, Lord God. There's bona fide needs out there that need a touch from you. And Father, we stand in the gap. We pray in the Holy Ghost this morning. We're expecting, Lord, the report of the Lord to come forth, that by the stripes of Jesus, these people have been healed and made whole. You are Jehovah Rapha. the God that healeth thee. And Father, we just thank you this morning for an atmosphere that is conducive for the Spirit of God to move and to meet every need that we've laid at your altar this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, But you, that's you and I, are not like that. We're not like the world. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Can you imagine? You're God's very own possession. Jesus paid a price on that cross for you that we could never pay. We always have to remember that. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And in Joshua 3, 5, it says, Then Jesus told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. So let's prepare ourselves for our communion. Let's check our hearts. Let's ask God to forgive us for any areas in our life that we have sinned. And let's forgive others that have sinned against us. Because God wants to do mighty and powerful things upon us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
First Corinthians 11, 23. For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord. One night, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Father, we just thank you. This is my body that was broken for each one of us. The debt has been paid. As we consecrate ourselves in his presence this morning, we remember what Jesus did for each one of us. For the cause of Christ, he laid down his life and purchased our lives so that we may live for him all the days of our lives. Let's partake. salvation that you sought each one of us and we belong to you in the same way you took the cup of wine after supper saying this is my blood this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed by his blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat and the bread and drink the cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming back. Maybe sooner than we think. What an honor and privilege to be part of his broken body and the shed blood that was shed for each one of us at Calvary's cross. Let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Minister life to every person that's in this place. We thank you for the miraculous that's being released at this very moment, Lord. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we'll call Pastor Rick up. Before you're seated, I just feel to pronounce a blessing over you, so lift your hands up right now. Father God, I speak forth words of life right now. I speak forth that the Word of God says, as the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth, as the waters cover the sea. I say that you said you're coming back for a glorious church, a church without spot, a church without wrinkle. And I thank you that there's an awakening inside of every heart today to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is coming back into the church again. The miraculous happened where the fear of the Lord was established. So I speak forth blessing. 
I speak forth unexpected miracles. I speak forth today unexpected breakthroughs. I speak forth today divine appointments and divine setups. I speak forth over them the prosperity of heaven that all their needs are going to be met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus that lack and shortage and debt will not get a grip on a one of them in here today. I speak forth the healing blood of the Son of God to every body, to every heart. And I speak forth the spirit of encouragement to hit the hearts today, to lift up the heads that have hung down and let the King of glory in. I speak forth the favor of God over everyone. I speak the blessing of God over their marriage. I speak the blessing of God over their families, over the wayward sons and the wayward daughters. I speak the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. And everybody that receives said, Good morning. Take your seats. Thanks, worship team, and thanks to Pastor Christine and Luke and Pastor Rick for the morning prayer and the blessings and the communion. If you don't know the person beside you, make sure you do by the end of the morning. <laughs> we have no strangers in here. If the person beside you is a stranger, it's your fault. Right? <laughs> if you don't know me, my name's Mike. I'm, uh, I'm going to do the message today. Pastor Brian and Pastor Sherry send their love and their greetings this morning. And, uh, you know, we have a few people who aren't able to make it today. And so we had a lot of people this morning that stepped up and are doing more stuff than they normally do. And so for all of you, thank you so much. Uh, there's no trial like a trial by fire. And uh, what better place to do it than a whole bunch of Christians who have to love you no matter what happens. So. If you're gonna do it, now's the time. I'm gonna do the announcements, uh, then I'll do the tithe, and then I'm gonna do the message. Um, so my first announcement is that we do our Lighthouse prayer every Monday nights on YouTube and Facebook. We also have Lighthouse communities around the city um, that if you don't know where they are, feel free to uh, let us know where you are approximately, and we can tell you um, where there's one near you. We do those on YouTube and Facebook at 7, 10 p.m. Tomorrow, the Lighthouse is specifically gonna be a prayer night for healing. So if you're gonna come on, uh, please feel free to jump in the chat, put down your prayer request. You can send us a message for uh, prayer for either you or someone that you know for healing. Um, it's gonna be a healing focus tomorrow night. Uh, next, if you want to work with Children's Church, if you are, are uh, exciting, if you love bringing the Bible to life for, for the young generations, uh, we need your help. So please see Pastor Michael Iacobelli. He's doing Children's Church today. Uh, we would absolutely love uh, to tap into those giftings that you have. Um, and, you know, there's no generation greater than the next one, right? <laughs> That's the way it works. Uh, and so we really want to be people that invest into this is a generational church. We want to invest into our children and into our youth and to our young adults and into you and into every generation. But right now, we really need help with Children's Church. So if you are interested um, in doing that, it's not a huge commitment. Um, but yeah, let us know and we can hook you up with Pastor Michael and he can get, go through the application. 
Uh, the next is one of the ministries that I'm kind of overseeing right now is the Reach Out team. And Reach Out is a super clever play on the word outreach. Uh, I'm not very creative, so that's the best that I can do is just flip it around. Um, and so, so our Reach Out team really is what we do for all of our outreach outside of the church. So stuff we do internationally, stuff we do around Canada, stuff that we're doing locally, um, our Christmas projects where we go around, all of those different things are Reach Out based. Um, if someone contacts us and they've got a need, we do our best to try to find out how we can best fulfill that need, whether it be with resources, with people, whatever. So if you're interested in, in, in volunteering or if you say, hey, I really like out serving the community, I really like being outside and helping people, please come see me. Um, ultimately, I, I don't have a full schedule right now, but what I'd love to do is just have people's uh, um, contact information and if they're available. And then essentially, if someone comes up to us with a need, we can just uh, canvas the people who are interested in helping reach out and see who's available and if we can get people out to fill the need. We're looking to increase this ministry this year. We've got some really cool ideas on ways we can really do that. But ultimately, reach out ministry is about going outside of the church walls and being the church to the community. And so you might say to me, well, what exactly are we doing? And I will I'd be excited to tell you that, you know, our reach out team just this year, and I want everybody to remember here, we're pretty much just starting our second year of ministry here as a church. But do you know that this church uh, supports over 35 different ministries and organizations around the world? Locally, we support drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers. We support uh, the homeless shelters. We support feeding people down the town. We support other churches that have like, uh, like ministries that we're partnered up. We're not out trying to build huge I-9 outreach ministry. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get behind the other ministries that are doing things and be able to push them and partner with them to go out and do everything that they want to do, amen? Uh, nationally, we are investing into multiple different churches around Canada. We're also in, we've also been investing into uh, the First Nations. We've, we've sent some money over towards Spirit Alive Ministries, which has Christian television going out to all of the different indigenous communities and remote places to the First Nations and the northern uh, communities around Canada. Um, so we're missionaries within our own land as, as well. Um, and then internationally, we're, we, this year we were one of the main contributors to building the church in Pakistan. In Faisalabad, Pakistan. That church has been kicking off. If you want to see more updates, follow us on Facebook. We're supporting uh, ministry in India. We're supporting ministry in Philippines. They just got hit by a hurricane. We were one of the first people to make sure that we sent funds out there um, to help rebuild one of the ministries um, that operates in the dumps in the Philippines. We've got a Bible school in Thailand that we support on a monthly basis. We've got multiple ministries in Uganda and East Africa. We just sent missionaries over to the Amazon last week. You know, we're supporting stuff all over the world and all of that happens because we are a faithful church that puts money into the church that puts our resources and our time and our effort into the church and then we take that and we send it outside to all of the other places why because we think bigger than just the church we think kingdom amen so why do I say all that? I say all that because that is our mission as a church, is that we want to not only grow and equip soldiers and sailors and, and ministries and missionaries within our walls, but we also wanna be out impacting outside of the church. How can we best touch the lives of people that we can't touch the lives in daily? 
right? Because ultimately, if we can reach them daily, then we should be reaching them daily. But if we can't reach them daily because of where they are, then we need to find people that are there and we need to be able to support them because they're reaching them daily, amen? That's how it works. <laughs> you can read about the Apostle Paul and how he talked to all of the different churches throughout his letters about how he was being supported and how it was helping uh, declare the ministry, amen? So if you want to uh, tithe into I-9 Church, if you want to um, um, uh, uh, be following in obedience to, the, to what God has called us to do, we have a few different ways that you can give. Um, you can give the way I do it, is I just send e-transfer at I-9 Church, uh, sorry, info at i9church.com, and I just put in the comments, Mike and Elvis ties, boom, and I send it off, um, and uh, if you're old-fashioned, uh, I love it, you can either drop it off by mail at that address there, or we have a big locked wooden box back there, you can put that in, we are a fully registered charity, so anything that comes in, you will get a tax receipt. And just a reminder that this year, uh, if you were supporting before July and after July, you'll get two receipts, because in July we got our official registered charity number. <laughs> so prior to July, we were running under Destiny Christian Center, and after July, we were running independently as I-9 Church, um, still, still, still partnered with Destiny Christian Center, but we do it for our own administration. So if you have any questions about that, let me know. It's very simple. Um, otherwise, I just want to pray for the tithes and offerings, and then we're going to get into the message. Father God, we thank you for the faithfulness and the obedience of your church here in Windsor, Ontario. Lord, we thank you that you are able to take what we give and stretch it out to do your work, Lord. Just as the little boy came with some fish and some bread, you were able to feed the multitude, Lord. So can you take the seed of obedience that we bring into your house that it might go out and build your kingdom, Lord. We thank you that there, that you have provided for each one of us in accordance to your will and that you are uh, pushing us forward and that as we walk in that obedience and trust and faith with our finances and our resources, Lord, and as long as we are taking care of your house, Lord, we trust you that you are faithful to take care of our house, Lord. We thank you for all you're doing in us, through us, and for us. We thank you for abundance and no lack in every area of our life, and you help us to fulfill our destiny in this lifetime. In Jesus' precious name we say, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? Amen. You better be. Ready or not, God is good, and all the time, God is good, and that is his nature. Hallelujah. Two weeks ago, Pastor Brian and Pastor Sherry were doing a message on Samson, and can I be honest with you, Samson is not someone I read about all the time, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> because I think the guy was a little bit of a nut, and the reason I say that, the reason I say that is because he constantly lived on the fringes of not doing what he was supposed to do, okay? So he constantly, he, he, was, he was the last judge in Israel. He was anointed before he was born. You know, he had this great strength. He was able to do all of this stuff. He was an enemy of the Philistines. This guy caused chaos. But what he did, though, is he was, you know, always kind of going with different women, and he was, you know, eating honey out of lions, and, and he was, whenever I, and, you know, he got mad one time, so he tied the tails of foxes and sent them out in fire, you know, and I was like, man, this guy's a little, like, he's just intense, 
You know what I mean? And, um, but then I was really studying it because Pastor Brian and, Sh- and Pastor Sherry were talking about you know, how the Nazarite vow came out and how it came to the parents and, and how he was an anointed before he was even born and all these different things. And I started really kind of studying and diving into it and kind of repenting for, you know, well, when you're a kid, right? All you see is just muscles and a big jawbone, right? And that's kind of all you think of Samson. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I was really kind of studying it and um, and, and the key verse that I kind of really stuck on and stumbled on was on Judges 13, verse 12. And so Samson's father was Manoah, and so the angel had come to his parents and had told them that Samson was coming to judge Israel. He was going to be anointed. He was going to have this covenant. Um, he's going to be consecrated. He's going to have this vow. Um, and Manoah, his dad, said something that really... Uh, struck a chord per se, right? And so I'll read this translation here. So Manoah asked the the angel, when your words are fulfilled, not if, he said when, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and the work? And in my English standard version, my ESV, it says, um, when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And I thought to myself, isn't that kind of the question that almost all of us growing up really kind of have to discover as we're kind of growing forward is, what is my manner of life and what is my mission? You know, and I think that really we've been talking the last two weeks about his manner of life. We talked about how he was consecrated as a vow. He had, a, had the Nazarite vow that he was anointed to do these different things, that, that there was different stipulations that God put in his lifestyle that he attached. And then we see that he kind of moved into an appointing as a judge in Israel, as an enemy of the Philippines. Uh, Philippines, oh God, I repent. Not the enemy of the Philippines, the Philistines, right? Holy smokes. But he's, he's an enemy of, 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 the, of, the, um, of the enemy of God, right? The, the, the worshipers of Dagon. And uh, we see all these different things. And, um, but then I thought to myself, I was like, you know, he said, and what is going to be his mission? See, Manoah didn't only care about the anointing that was coming for his son. And he didn't only even care about the covenant. And he didn't care about the vow. It was all important. And it was all really valuable. But what he wanted to know is, but what is he going to do with it? And so the, the title of my message is For the Cause. We're talking about our consecration series. And the reason why I want to really focus on this is that sometimes as Christians, we become extremely um, intensely um, invested into our anointing. And then we start to grow in that anointing. And then it kind of transitions to this extreme investment into being appointed into some type of position or some type of authority or some type of structure. But sometimes we completely miss the point, which is the cause of Christ. You have the anointing, and sometimes it can translate into an appointing, but both of those things are for a mission. They're for a cause. They're for a reason. And sometimes I think as Christians, we, we become so focused in on the training and on, on the qualifications and on the different things that we need to know that we kind of forget on why we're supposed to know it or what we're supposed to do. All right, let's see, if, let's see how this goes, guys. <laughs> we're we're going to work together. The anointing of Samson was that he was anointed to judge Israel. David was anointed to be a king over Israel. Peter was anointed to be a fisher of men. And all of these anointings came when that was not part of their reality. 
right? So Samson was anointed to be a judge before he was even conceived in the womb. Peter was anointed to be a fisher of men when he didn't even know who Jesus was and he was out fishing in the boat. David was anointed to be the king of Israel when he was out shepherding. So the anointing is not really based upon the qualifications. It's really just based on if God chose you to do something or not. That's the real exciting part about life is that you really can never feel disenfranchised when you realize that God is the person who decides what comes and goes and what he chooses to do. But what we do know is that people who are available for the mission, God anoints and he appoints and he equips to do it. The issue isn't if there is work, the issue is whether you're willing to do it. And so what we see is that Samson grew up to be a person who was willing to judge Israel because he was always ready to fight the enemies. And David was willing to be the king over Israel because he went wherever God had told him to go. The Bible says that David was a man after his own heart. We see that Peter was willing to be a fisher of men because it says he dropped his nets at the calling of Jesus. The anointing was given to them through the calling and the plans of God himself before they were ready to step into it. Don't wait until you're ready for the anointing. Oftentimes the anointing comes before you're ready, but you have to walk in that anointing before you can start to come into an appointed season that you can start to do things for God. In 1 Samuel 16 verse one, the Lord said to Samuel the prophet, how long are you gonna grieve over Saul? He was king at the time, he was the anointed king. But you know I've now rejected him from being king of Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And we see verse five, uh, Samuel had Jesse, David's father, and all of his sons consecrate themselves before the word came out. And the thing that I, I, I really noticed here is that Saul was anointed and David was anointed. But it says that the Lord rejected Saul. He says he rejected him, why? Because Saul was not doing the things that God had called him to do. And something, I, I really kind of thought about that. I was like, man, like I feel, almost sometimes I feel bad about Saul because he was anointed too and then he got rejected. And you know, David had kind of done some different things. But, but you know what I, I realized is that David lived a long time in an anointing before he ever became a king. So while he was anointed to be a king, he was shepherding. While he was anointed to be a king, he was fighting Goliath. While he was anointed to be a king, he was a convict on the run because the, King Saul was trying to kill the guy. You know, he got to the point where he was able to kill King Saul. The guy was, sleep, was sleeping and his, his friend told him, go kill the king and you can take your place as the anointed king of Israel. And it says that he didn't kill him, but he cut his cloak and to show it, but it says that his heart was smoked. Just by cutting the cloak of the king, it ruined him emotionally because he just absolutely did not want to create himself an appointing. He didn't want to create himself to be the king. God had anointed him, so David said, I'm gonna live in this anointing until you pull me out and appoint me into a position. You see, David spent a long time walking in a season of training and anointing before he ever became appointed. In Matthew 4, verse 18, we see that um, Jesus is walking, and it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. When Jesus saw Peter, he wasn't out preaching at church. 
He wasn't out preaching in the ministry. He wasn't out gathering a whole bunch of people. If anything, Peter probably wasn't great with people. <laughs> Hear me out. I like to fish. Do you know what my favorite thing about fishing is? No people. <laughs> you go out to fish, and it's just me and the fish. And you know why they say that? You know, a bad day of fishing is still better than a good day at work, right? <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying that when you're fishing, you're up before the world is up, and you're out in the ocean where nobody else is, and when you're coming back, you're feeding them, and then when everybody's having dinner, you're crashing, right? And, and why am I saying that? I'm saying that because Jesus went out and found someone that didn't make sense to use him for his glory. He anointed him to be a fisher of men, but he grabbed him from someone who really wasn't around men. It was him and his brother. It says that they were sons of a fisherman. It was a family of fishermen. And he's like, this is gonna be the guy that's gonna build the church, amen? Why am I saying all that? I'm saying that the anointing is actually op usually inverse from your natural uh, thinking would be. And I've said this a few times before, is that God doesn't get glory in the kingdoms that you could have built yourself. That's why he uses people that don't really fit all of the qualifications because when someone who's not fully qualified can do something big for God, God gets the glory in that because it's the only way that it makes sense. Okay, you're with me, praise God. Oh no, my iPad. Okay, we're good. Crisis averted, the spirit came upon it. <laughs> so, so why am I saying that? I'm saying that there's really a lot of value in having an anointing, and there's, and there's value in walking in that anointing. I know what I'm anointed in, okay? I had to learn that from a young age. You know, I, I don't have, you know, like we, we say I'm Pastor Mike, okay? But I'm not anointed pastorally, okay? I know this because I would rather die than be in a counseling room, okay? I just, I just know that my giftings, like when, when, there's, when there's problems brought to me, I just read your Bible and pray, and I will pray for you. I just, I know I'm not very pastoral and I've been in lead pastoral positions in churches and I just struggle and I suffer and I'm like, oh, I can't handle all of these problems. I just wanna run away, you know? But then I'll go out into the mission field or I'll go evangelize, you know, to a whole bunch of people and I'll see like friends of mine who are like amazing pastors and they just, you know, love counseling and they're just all that stuff. And, and um, and then they'll be like, oh, how could you go there when it's you know, difficult or it's hot or there's cockroaches? And I'm like, man, I would rather be in a room with a thousand cockroaches than in another like, premarital counseling class. I just, I, don't, I, I, just, I just know what my giftings are, okay? <laughs> Guys, I'm being very vulnerable here. And listen, I'm not saying I'm never gonna do counseling. I'll do whatever I'm told to do. I just know where the anointing is at, okay? But the thing is, though, is that I had to really walk in that for a long time before I ever started going out and doing anything related to my anointing, okay? So like, you know, when I'm still young, I'm learning to preach in, in high school is when I started preaching. And so I started preaching in front of a church as part of a high school program, okay? And then in the summer, I'm going and doing uh, some little mission trips with global expeditions, and then they're going to bigger mission trips, and you know, and then I start going overseas to Africa with, with Global Harvest, and then I live over there, and I start living over there full time, you know, and I start doing different things, but I'm walking and anointing for a long time before I'm ever actually, before I ever actually got a job, okay? <laughs> I just was doing what I knew God had called me to do, and I was walking in that, but there was no reason for that to really come to me because nobody in my family 
has missionary experience. Nobody in my family goes overseas. I don't have, I don't really, I didn't have a lot of people in my life that was, you know, that makes sense that I would go that way. Are you with me? It didn't make sense. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not like, you know, my dad was a a carpenter and his dad was a carpenter and his dad's a carpenter. Guess what? I'm a carpenter. It's like, whoa, big shocker, right? (laughs) But so the, the reason I'm saying all of that is that you, you have to have seasons when you're walking in those times of anointing before you ever start to kind of develop anything because it's seasons of training for your character. T.D. Jakes said this one time, and, and I don't actually listen to a lot of T.D. Jakes' sermons, but he said something years and years ago, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you don't want your giftings to take you where your character won't sustain you. And when I heard that, it struck me to my core because I remember thinking to myself, I never want to outpace God's timing for me, and I never want to get into an appointment for a mission when I don't have either the anointing or the training or the character to do that thing. And when I realized that, what really happened is it released inside of me pressure to go out and do anything because I just said, I'm just gonna be humble, I'm gonna do what God wants me to do based on what he's given me to equip me in. And if I don't really know what I'm doing, I'm just gonna just fake it till I make it and and just do what I gotta do and and either God's gonna give me the grace to do it or he's gonna give me the space to do something else, okay? (laughs) I just barely came up with that myself. I don't know if that's very theological. But my point is, is that there is an anointing that comes and that God has, choo- has given each one of us a mission and a purpose and influence and he's attached within each one of us an anointing to be able to do something specifically that only we can do. Amen? So we see that, you, that Samson, he walked in his anointing as a judge in Israel and as an enemy of Philistines and he was the last judge of Israel and that when David lived in his anointing, And then, you know, Peter followed Jesus for a long time in his anointing, all before they ever came into an appointment. And something I wrote here is that an anointing without an appointing is training, but an appointing without an anointing is traumatic. And the reason I say that is because the Bible talks about, I really like actually in the prayer time, uh, uh, Pastor Luke and Christine were saying about how Moses basically said, if God's not going somewhere, we're not gonna go. We're just gonna camp here until God says to go. And I was like, that's bang on exactly what's going on here, is that you never want to outpace anointing for an appointing because you don't wanna get into a position where you have a mission and a cause in front of you and you don't have God behind you in that thing. You know what I'm saying? Like we've got people, we don't, we don't have people, but I've heard, I know different people in my life where they're like, I'm gonna go do blah, blah, blah. And there's everyone in their life is going, are you sure that that's like what you're built for? (laughs) Is that like the anointing that's on your life? Is that your whatever? And they're like, nope, that's what I'm doing and that's where I'm going. And then they go and do the thing and then it blows up in their face and they come back a year later and they go, I wasn't anointed for that. (laughs) I was trying to build, you know, and I, I like Psalms 127. What does it say? Unless the Lord builds the house, the man labors in vain. And like when you, when you see that kind of thing, what I'm saying is, is that there is a hyper-dependency on the anointing in your life, the appointing in your season, that, that it is highly dependent on whether or not God wants you to be there. God, because God's not gonna send you somewhere just to be abused and to fail. 
That's not worthwhile for his time. You might, if you go out and go out on your own, you might find yourself in a season of training and, and tribulation, and the Bible tells us that that creates within us endurance for what? For the next thing, okay? But when you go out and you decide, I'm gonna go do something completely separated from what God might have me to do or what God might anoint me to do, you're just building your own castle. You're building your own sandcastles. And I know that I've spent a lot of time building sandcastles and it didn't work out well. <laughs> I was disappointed and tired after everything happened. And really what, what, it, what it takes is the person to basically really humble themselves and ask the question that Samson's father asked, which is what is the manner of life and what's the mission? Really, each one of us are gonna have a different mission, but ultimately it's all for his cause. It's the cause of Christ. You're anointed and appointed to the glory of God. You're chosen, called, and qualified by him, through him, and for him. It doesn't matter who you know. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you wanna go. God has a purpose and a plan for you, and so you can choose to get on side with what he wants you to do, and you're gonna be successful and efficient regardless of whether you think you're successful in the position. Hear me out. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. He was, well, the first that we see in the New Testament. We see that Paul uh, at the time was Saul. He called for the stoning of Stephen. And it says that Stephen was being stoned to death for being an early Christian leader. And it says that he prayed, that he fell asleep, and that he died. That's the majority of what we know of Stephen's ministry, is that he died. Now, God is sovereign, which means that God wins. If anybody here doesn't know that God wins, this is breaking news. <laughs> God wins, I read the Bible, I saw the last page, I cheated, I went to the end, God wins, okay? I cheated, I went to the back of the book first. I always read the front and read the back. Everyone knows that. Read the first two pages, read the last two pages, and then you can figure out the middle, okay? I read the back, <laughs> and, and, and uh, I'm totally kidding, I read the Bible, don't worry. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that when we know that God wins, we know that God is able to complete his mission whether we choose to participate in it or not. The difference is, is whether we're gonna live a blessed life, if we're gonna get the well done, good and faithful servant, if we're gonna be able to be leaders in the church, if we're gonna be able to be leaders in our family, if we're gonna be able to pastor our community. If we don't wanna do that, God's still gonna win, it's just we're not gonna be part of the victory. Really, that's what it is. God doesn't need you to win. God's gonna win. God wants you and invites you to be part of the winning team and to invest in and participate in the coming success. I hope I'm not surprising anybody here. And what I'm, why I'm saying that is that it should do two things. One is it should release within you a burden, right? But it should also invite within you a willingness to surrender what you want to do because then God can use you to do it. For example, if I do everything right and then I apply for a position, okay? If I do everything right and I apply for a position and I don't get that position, I don't lose sleep because I say I did everything right 
And if I didn't get that position, then God is basically saying, I don't need you to do that position. Obviously, there's something more out there. But if I do everything wrong, and then I get that position, I should be very concerned about why I'm there, because chances are, God might not be a part of what I'm walking into, into that appointment, and I might just be causing and calling chaos to come into my life. Hey, I'm only telling you what I see and what I know, (laughs) right? But when we walk out an appointing, when we're sanctified, when we're set apart, like Pastor Michael was talking about last week, what happens is, is we become consecrated to his will. And what I've realized is that that one of the greatest dangers of 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 the church today is a desire of a me will more than a he will, okay? And why I say that is because a lot of times we have the right intentions that we wanna grow in this thing and we wanna develop in this thing and we wanna, we wanna get into this different type of leadership and we wanna kind of understand this type of thing. We wanna grow this and do this and go here and do that. And all of these things are great, but sometimes I just ask myself like, you know, is this what God wants me to do? <laughs> Is this what God's calling me to do? Or is it just that I am trying to basically take the will and the desires of my own heart and then basically find a way that I can thematically include God into making this a righteous and holy position? Hopefully I didn't lose anybody. What, what, I'm, what, I'm, try, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes what we do is we figure out what we wanna do and then we basically put it under the guise of that God is calling us to do that thing. But we've never actually had a serious discussion with God about whether we're anointed to do that thing. Or how can we touch people for, like listen guys, Ephesians 4 talks about, you know, and that he sent uh, the, the, the prophet and the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher and the apostle. And then what does it say? It says, to equip the saints for the building of his body. The reason why all of those different giftings are given to people is for other people. Okay, so if a person says, I wanna grow in prophecy so I can hear better from the Lord, I would say, but also because you can hear better from the Lord to tell people what God is saying to build up the church, right? If you say, I wanna be a missionary because I wanna go out into all the world, I would say, to preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus, right? And if someone says, I wanna pastor because you know I wanna be able to read the word and I wanna be able to study and I wanna be able to preach, it'd be like, so that the people in your life can become more like Jesus so that they can walk into their fulfillment and their will and their, and their, you see what I'm saying? Is that the giftings and the anointings and the appointings and all of those things that are given are given to you for other people. That's why when Jesus came, Jesus did not come for his own will, for his own his own benefit and his own glory, he came and it says that he humbled himself to a servant that he might die on the cross for the sins of all mankind, that he did not see himself equal to God, but, but that now that he's died and he's rose again, that now he's exalted and lifted up in the, in the highest places. The point is, is that, Jesus, that we, if we're Christians, we are Christ followers. And the thing that we see about Jesus is that everything he did, he said, it's not my will, but it's my Father's will. If this cup can be taken from me, but if it's God's will, then let it be done. That's our position as as Christians. If I am supposed to go out and start this huge business and do all those things, great. If it's God's will, then let it be done. But if it's not, let let it be taken away from me. I I used to say this even when I was a young child, I used to say this, and my mom used to kind of laugh, and then she would preach it and steal it from me in sermons. (laughs) She, She, I used to always say, I believe in praying 
for closed doors more than open ones. Because I know that when God closes a door, it's because he doesn't want me to go there. And I would rather stop where I need to be and wait for the open door and move into that than to take detours off and then get lost in the sauce and not know where I am and then have to try to come back to where I'm supposed to be so I can go back on the road again. You see what I'm saying? Is that for me, I'm not so concerned about all of the open doors I could walk into. I'm more concerned about all of the closed doors God doesn't want me to go down. Why? Because I don't want to become ineffective to his mission. I don't want to become ineffective for the cause. I want that whatever anointing God has placed in me, that it would grow, and then that I can walk in that humbly, and that if he chooses to put me into an appointed season, that he can bring me into an appointment, and that I might be exactly where what God wants me to be so that I can do his will. And why I say that is because it... it, is that something, personally for me, I'm always thinking about all of the different options. I'm always thinking of all the different things that I need to do, where I need to go, and it releases within me freedom. That all I have to do is surrender my will and trust him, and that he's gonna lead me into all righteousness. As long as I'm living the way that he has called us to live, we're set apart as a royal priesthood. Why? Because he set apart for his doings, that you were created and that you were saved to do good works. So we are set apart and we are sanctified and we are consecrated. Why? Not just because he loves us and that we're special and that's true, but also because we're set apart to do something specifically for God. There is a point and a reason to the appointing and the season. And the thing is, is that we not to only need to be so concerned about what are we anointed to do and how can we walk into that into an appointing, but what is God giving us to do that we can use what God has given us to use to be effective for the cause of Christ? I'll take a breath. Anointing and an appointing readies us for mission more than medals. You know, John the Baptist, Jesus said, was one of the greatest prophets to ever live, that there was no man greater than John the Baptist. And he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus said, imagine if Jesus said, I don't know anybody better than Pastor Luke. (laughs) Wow, that would be the best day ever, eh? Oh, wow, I put that on a bumper sticker. Nobody better than Pastor Luke. Jesus, right? Imagine if he said that. And then Pastor Luke comes up and goes, Jesus says, I'm the best man ever. And all I want you to know is that the less of me that exists, the better. Wow, what a humbling position to have is that when Jesus says that John the Baptist is one of the greatest people ever, and then he goes out and says, I must decrease, that he must increase. You know, I have a special, I have a special affection. I, 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 I'm not gonna say who there's names, but there's a couple pastors that I know that uh, they actually got so convicted because they found out that pretty much the whole church was just about them, that people were coming to the church just to see that person. And, and I, I actually, I, fi- I heard about a couple pastors where they just kind of said, you know what? I don't want this church to just be known about me. I want this church to be known about Jesus. And they just step right back and they bring in other leadership teams and they go out, they do ministry and they still are involved and they're still counsel. But I kind of said that, I was like, you know what? Like, that's amazing because that person realized in that moment that the anointing and the appointing that he had was no longer as effective to the cause of the church for Christ's benefit, for the body 
And he's like, my anointing and appointing is actually starting to detriment people from growing into the cause of Christ. And they actually have to back off and let somebody else take it over and go do something else. And for me, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I don't know if that is something that I would wanna ever do is just say, wow, I'm becoming so successful in this role that it's almost becoming detrimental for other people and that Jesus isn't getting glorified to the level that he should be, so I need to remove myself. I have to decrease that Christ can increase from the pulpit wild, amazing. But when you understand that your anointing and your appointing is more for your mission than it is for your medals, you're not looking for the success that you're gonna get in this lifetime. You're just looking for the team to go forward. You know, I work in the military part-time, and the thing that you'll hear is that mission before self. That is one of the principles in the armed forces is mission before self, which means that if it's discomfortable for you, but it's productive for the mission, we're doing that. (laughs) If it's uncomfortable for you, but it's better for the team to fulfill the mission, then that's what we're gonna do. And if you're not comfortable, then just remove yourself from the team for the benefit of the mission. Why? Because it's more about team and mission than it is about individuals, because you train the team to work together. They used to tell us when when I was um, in officer school, they used to say to us, when you're training, you're not just training for you, you're training for everybody you work with. Because if you're not strong enough to lift somebody out of the building, they don't have someone who can rescue them. You don't just wanna get your, you're not just trying to get yourself not shot, you're trying to be strong enough that you're not getting anybody else shot. You're not just trying to rescue yourself, you wanna make sure you're strong enough that you're rescuing your buddy. And your buddy is trying to be strong enough that he's not gonna need to get rescued and he'll rescue you. And so everybody is working upon service before self, about mission before self, and basically everything that they invest in themselves is not just for themselves to be super effective in mission, it's for the team to be able to fulfill the cause. Amen. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus looks at his disciples. What does he say? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you wanna be part of the team, then you have to put everything aside about yourself, and you need to follow after Christ. You go where I tell you to go, you do what I tell you to do, you say what I tell you to say, deny yourself. It's very easy to write and it's very hard to do. Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, Paul said, I have two desires and I don't know which one I wanna do. One is to leave that I might go be with Jesus because it's way better over there. But the other one is to stay for your benefit. Paul doesn't wanna stay here for Paul. Paul wanted to stay here because he knew as long as he was here, he was doing ministry for the church. He's like, listen, if you ask me, I'd rather do two things. I'd rather go be with Jesus, but I know if I leave, then I'm not part of the mission anymore. As long as you're alive, it is literally a prophetic symbol to you that God still has something for you to do. Literally every breath that you take is a prophetic release of mission. When God does no longer has mission for me, I will no longer be breathing. That is obvious because God is not going to waste my time. He knows when he's done with me, he's bringing me straight up into the kingdom of heaven because that's much better place to be than here. But for as long as I'm here, though I would rather be there, as long as I'm here, it's for the benefit of everyone else that I'm here. It is for the benefit of everyone else that you're here. 
It's not for your benefit that you get to still live in Windsor, Ontario during all of these crazy times. It's for literally everyone else's benefit in your life that you're still here. And if you don't catch that, then everything will become about you and then you will be disenfranchised whenever something bad happens to you because you'll think, why is Jesus forgetting me? Why am I forsaken? Why is this so hard? How come I'm not walking in this? How come I'm not walking this? Dude, you're here literally because God still has a mission for you. You might just be in a season of waiting. You might just be in a season of learning and you're appointing. You might just be getting ready to go into a season where you're gonna be brought into an appointing, but regardless of where you are in your walk, you're still part of the team. (laughs) Following Christ costs you something, but it's worth it. In the perspective of eternity, it is impossible not to worship regardless of where you are at. People say Paul worshiped when he was in the prison because he knew God was gonna get them out. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think that Paul worshiped in the prison because he understood what a life of worship looks like. And if Paul had stayed in the prison until he died, he would still be worshiping because he would just be considering it time that he's given to worship God and to glorify God. And if all he can do is preach to the jailer guards, that's what he's gonna do. The Bible says that, in, 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 that he, when he spoke in Philippians, he says, I tell you, brothers, it is actually for the benefit that I've been imprisoned all of this time for the entire imperial guard has learned the gospel of Jesus. Paul said, it is actually a good thing that I got to be in jail because now the jailers got to hear about Jesus. When you understand in the perspective of eternity that basically wherever you are and wherever you can touch and and wherever God has placed you in a season when he's walking with you and you're walking in step and in line with what God has, no matter where you are, you're able to be a part of the mission and you're able to live a life of worship because there's something for you to do. We can't be couch-sitting Christians. We can't just look for the comfortable Christianity. If you're looking for a church of comfort you know, and all of these different things, then you're not gonna find it here <laughs> because we don't believe that our time here in the, in, in, on this earth is to seek comfort. Our time here on the earth is to direct the lost to the saved. That's why I'm very comfortable and I'm over on the mission field, or sorry, I'm very uncomfortable when I'm over on the mission field. People say, oh, how do you, how do you have the grace for you know, the power outages and the hot weather and the whatever, and there's people shooting guns and da, 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 da. Because that's where God wants me to be. And when I'm, as long as I'm there, I'm being effective and I'm doing something for the ministry. And so I would much more be more uncomfortable sitting down doing nothing than I would be doing something that's uncomfortable. There's people in this church that I know that go out and they do stuff all the time, and sometimes I'm like, man, this person's just going everywhere. They're just talking to everybody. They're just doing all these different things. But then what I realize is that God's just like, I'm just gonna use this person wherever they go. And when you recognize that God can use you in whatever situation you're in, it is impossible to not worship. You can live a life of worship. You could be on your dying bed, and you have a nurse that comes and checks on you, and that is your mission field. I'm just saying. The last I'm gonna close with So you have your seasons of anointing that come 
God gives each one of us a different anointing. He gives us different giftings and talents for his mission. Those, when we walk in step with what God might have for us, he can bring us up into an appointing. He can take us into a leadership role. He can help us to grow, to have gain influence, not for our own causes, but for his cause. The, the anointing and the appointing is more about the mission than it is for any medals that we're gonna get, whether we get medals or not. Listen, the Bible says, store up for yourself treasures, not on this earth where rust and moth destroy, but store for yourself up treasures on heaven where nothing can destroy. My friend, I don't want a medal here. I want a medal up there, amen? And lastly, is that there's an acquittal. The reason I say that there's an acquittal is that if you read the story of David, you'll see that God wanted him, originally had wanted him to build the temple, and he said, you're not gonna build the temple because of the things that you've done. With Peter, it says that before, when Jesus was captured, it says that he said three times before the rooster crows, you will deny me. And it says he denied him three times, even to children. And it says with Samson that Samson allowed Delilah to know what his covenant was, and he broke his covenant, and it says that his hair was cut, he lost his strength, his eyes were gouged to the point where the strongest man who killed thousands was now being led by a small boy because he couldn't see, and he was brought up to be just a mockery and an entertainment to the worshipers of this world. And what we see is that in every situation, there was a moment where they were able to access an acquittal to the failure that they had in the mission that they were able to be redeemed and to complete again what God had originally wanted them to do. Let me show you in John 21, verse three. Simon Peter said to them, after Jesus had died, Simon Peter looked at the disciples. He said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. They went out and got into a boat. But that night they caught nothing. You see, Peter lied that his mission was over. Peter thought that his time with Jesus was done. Peter had denied him a bunch of times, and then Jesus died, he rose again, you know, and, and, but Peter said, I'm going back out to my boats. I'm going back to what I was gonna do. And then what does it say? It says that Jesus came and found them on the water, and it says, he, and, and it says Paul, Peter says, if that's you, call me out, and, and it's a different time than when he walked in the water. He says, that's you, call me out, and it says that the boat was coming into the shore, but, that, but Peter jumped off the boat and just struggled through this, the shallow water to get to Jesus. And it says that Jesus sat down and he looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. And then he looked at him again and says, do you love me? He says, yes, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And a third time, he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, feed my sheep. Why? Because the three times that Peter had denied Jesus, Jesus gave Peter three opportunities to be redeemed, to get back onto the mission that he had anointed him to do when he called him the rock for the church, amen? When we see that David was no longer eligible to build the temple, it says that the anointing and the appointing to build the house of the Lord went from David, and it went to who? His son Solomon, why? Because David had a broken and contrite spirit. He repented, but he passed the anointing on so that the legacy and the bloodline of David still, con still completed the house of the Lord, even though David was taken out of it. And we see that Samson, in his final moments, being the mockery of the Philistines, being the defeated war hero, being the defeated judge, being the failure, being pulled off of the mission, being disqualified, losing his hair. It says that he said to the small boy while he was being mocked in front of all the Philistines, he said, let me feel the pillars that my hands might rest on them. And it says that in that moment, he felt once again, he could no longer see because his vision was taken from him and his strength had been taken from him. But it says that he felt 
the pillars. And I believe that in that moment, he was touching once again the mission that he had been pulled off of. And it says he felt the pillars and he prayed that God might come. And it says that the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he pushed the pillars with all of his might. And it says that the house came down once again judging the enemy of God and once again fulfilling the original anointing and appointing that God had called Samson to do. That in those last moments that there was an acquittal given to Samson that no matter how much he had screwed up, even when he had failed, even when he blew it, even when he got women in his way, even when he got his pride in his way, even when he got anger in his way and he blew it and he was a mockery and he was a failure and people were laughing and people were saying, there's the enemy, there's the guy of God that we get to joke around with. Once again, God gave him an opportunity and when he put his hands on the pillars, once again, he felt the anointing and the appointing and the cause of Christ in his life and he pushed and the Lord came back into his world and it says that he killed thousands of the enemies of God. Why am I saying this to you? Because you may have blown it, you may have got off track, you may have walked out of your anointing, you may have disregarded your appointing, you might feel that you are literally the mockery. People might say, that guy's a Christian and he did X and Y, that woman's a Christian and he did X and Y and Z. You know, you might feel this, but I'm telling you, sir, ma'am, if you love Jesus, you can feed sheep. And I'll say it again, if you love Jesus, you can feed sheep. And if you, can, if you love Jesus, you can feed sheep. There might be something that's taken from you, but I'm telling you, God is sovereign enough that it might not come from you, but he can bring someone in your life, someone from you that you can invest that anointing and that mantle that they can complete the thing because you invested it. And I can tell you this last thing, that you might feel that you've completely blown it, but there might be a season in your life coming where once again, you can just feel the touch. You might not see it, and it might not feel like it used to feel, but you feel the pillars of the mission that you once were living in. And I'm telling you, sir, ma'am, that if you will repent, if you will surrender your will once again, just as Samson said to God, give me my strength one more time. I'm telling you, friend, there is a one more time for you. As long as you have breath in your lungs today, there is a one more time for you. You are not finished until God tells you you are finished. You are not disqualified until God tells you you are disqualified. And I'm telling you, it will be very evident to you when your mission is over because you will not be around for your funeral. But as long as you have breath in your lungs, there is a mission for you to do. And I don't care if you've blown it. I don't care if you've thrown it. And I don't care if you've flown it. God is gonna bring you back into the mission that you can complete what he's called and predestined to you for you to do because God wins, amen? <clears throat> Would you stand with me? We're gonna pray, we're gonna close. Just uh, search your hearts for a minute. Just ask yourself where you may have disregarded anointing, where you've kind of maybe tried to appoint yourself to something that God wasn't in, where maybe you've become a mockery in a certain thing, where you've walked away from a mission, where you've really just, just messed up. <laughs> I know I have, and I know I've been there, but I'm telling you, sir, sir, ma'am, that those pillars are still there, those sheep are still there, that there are still people in your life, that God is willing and able to do something from the disqualified. He's able to do something from the unqualified. He's able to do something from the person who thinks that it's all over. You might not see what you used to see. You might not feel what you used to feel, but I'm telling you, if you surrender your will and you repent to the power of the Lord, the Spirit of God will come back into your life and will be able to get you back on track and back into the mission that he designed, he purposed, and he predestined 
for you to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you for these people here in the church and here watching online, Lord. We thank you that you are opening our eyes and softening our hearts to those things that you might be calling us to do. Lord, show us the mission that you've given us that we might do, Lord, and we repent for if there's been times where we've blown it or where we've thrown it, Lord. May you let us feel those pillars once again. May you speak to us again. Feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Lord, may you touch each one of our hearts. We repent for any place in our life where we've thrown off our ministry, where we've ruined our appointments, where we've maybe disenfranchised our anointing. Lord, may you breathe new life again. Lord, the Bible says that your mercies are new every morning. And when the Bible says that to come boldly into the throne room of grace and ask from your father who gives liberally to his children that he loves, Lord, we thank you and we ask you to give us a mission again. Show us our anointing, Lord. Allow us to grow and to train and to build the character so that when we come, if we come into an appointing, Lord, that we might be able to be sustained in that position, not for our own purpose and our own benefits, but that your will might be done in this lifetime, Lord. We thank you. We humble ourselves, Lord. Not our will, but your will be done. May everything that you've placed inside of us be an outpouring of worship in us lifetime, a worship for glory for you, Lord. We thank you for each one of those people here today. We ask for a spirit of abundance and no lack in every area of our lives, Lord, not for our own benefit, but for your benefit, that we might fulfill the destiny and the calling that you've created for us before we were conceived in the womb. You predestined us to good works, Lord. And we thank you that we are not people who sit in pursuit of comfort, but that we do good works for the equipping, the building, and the growing of the body of Christ. And everyone in agreement said, amen. amen. God loves you and we love you. We hope you have, we have one more word for you. Just don't leave yet. We have prayer open at the altar. If you want to come, thank you. If you want to come up and have prayer, we have intercessors here that are ready to pray with you. God loves you and we love you. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you at the Lighthouse tomorrow at 7. Have a great day. For those of you who've never stayed this long before, <laughs> we are basically the um, conversation after service. So if you're here watching service at the Serbian Center or if you're watching via live stream right now, stay tuned because we have Pastor Luke LaBeouf joining us. Basically what we're doing is like re recreating what would happen if you stayed a little bit longer and talked to some friends about what, what took place today. Um, and if you're watching, it's a Wednesday, make sure you click the link below and watch the full service first, because if you missed that, then this won't be as, this won't mean as much to you. Sierra. Yes. How did you, what did you think about service today? I really love the service today. I mean, I always say that, but it's true. Yeah. Like, I, I love this service. It's just so, there's always something to learn, even if it's like a story that you thought you knew since yeah. you were like two. That's right. You, there's still more that you learned from it, and it's just very interesting to how that all kind of pieces together. And um, I don't know. So on Youth on Friday, Pastor Michael was talking about like kind of picking up your cross and like like a, it's a daily thing to pick yeah. up your cross and to continue to die to self. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool how Pastor Mike Quinlan today brought it up in the message, and I was like, wow, like that. It just kind of like touched. I was like, wow, like that's like it's true. Like it's an everyday thing like you always have to pick up your cross die to self and yeah. just kind of commit yourself to God and I thought that was cool too how he brought it up in the fact of 
um, you feel like you have a calling to do something, right. but there's always that little extra that's like for other people, like for God's purpose, that's not right. how, because you want to do it. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll have our guest come on. I was saying Pastor Luke LaBeouf, but he was on last week. Today we have you, my friend, Hello. right in the middle, right in the middle. So what we were, we were just talking about service. And I was going to share my piece, but I wanted you to hear it because I feel like you're going to have wisdom for me and I'm taking full advantage of having you here. (laughs) So my brother is talking about growing up and he, um, you know, Pastor David taught him and we had to do preaching for one of our extracurriculars at school. Right. And he he's always been going on mission trips and doing all these things. I'm winded. So for him, (laughs) he he kind of just fell into this. Uh, gifting that he has to do missions work and to outreach and to evangelize and to preach, right? Now, I feel like I've always struggled with this. Like I've been involved in ministry to some degree for most of my life, growing up with two pastors as parents. um, You know, I've always been involved doing whatever needs to be done. And I can, like I can do like a lot of different things in ministry because that's just, I filled whatever need was there, right? Mm -hmm. But to this day, I still feel like I don't know what I've been like specifically anointed to do. And I've always, I always cry about this to Pastor Sherry where it's like, I'm always like, you know, I, I feel like I'm always someone else's like support system where I'm, I'm happy to, to help out whatever needs to be done. But today the message really sat with me because I feel like if like, even with Stephen, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of Stephen's ministry, but we know that in the Bible, they talk about his death and that was pretty much it. Right. So I, I think that's encouraging to me. Not that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm walking myself into a circle. But regardless of where God has called you to, maybe you're, maybe you're me and you have no idea what you're called to specifically. Um, just know, like he was saying today, what is the cause, right? It's the cause of Christ and that we're doing what we're doing, not for ourselves, not to enhance our own name, but to glorify, right? And it says, not to us, but to your name be all the glory. So anyway, I was trying to talk to a point but I, I went around in circles. So now you can talk. <laughs> Sorry. You know, um, I like what you shared. Thanks. Okay. Because so often, unless we are preaching yeah. or teaching, yeah. we don't truly see ourselves in ministry. Right. Well, you are, you do have the ministry of encouragement. Oh. You're the type of person that comes up and you encourage people, you give them a big smile and a hug, and you love on them. Cool. That is a powerful ministry in itself. Thanks. But then you've got another ministry that is extremely important, and it's a very creative ministry. Yes. Very creative. And that creativity is part of doing the things that God has called you to do. Like your artwork, it is just amazing. Cool. Um, <laughs> your, your giftings to put things together. You have an administrative gift, oh. a creative gift, wow. and a gift to love. And so um, we can't compare ourselves to other people. We always have to remember that God uses us with the giftings he's placed within us. And right. trust me, That's you've right. got lots of giftings. Oh, thanks. It's not the giftings. It's the, it's the calling. You've you got know. character. Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> it's been a long, it's been a long few years. <laughs> anyway, I opened a can of worms I wasn't ready for. <laughs> But no, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And yeah. I, I think that's for you too. Like maybe maybe you're me and you're like, I'm not I'm not sure what my direction is or where I'm going. I really feel like God God doesn't wanna hide the gifts and the the thing the plans that he has for us, right? It's not supposed to be a mystery. No. Um, I think it's just a matter of patience. 
Well, you know what? <laughs> I remember um, when I got saved, I was terminally ill. Right. Okay? Yeah. And that was in 1980. Yeah. Uh, June of 1980. Mm -hmm. um, during that time, I was bedridden. Yeah. Okay? And I, I got to spend a lot of time in the Bible and praying and getting to know God. Yeah. And on January 8th of 90, 1981, he healed me supernaturally, gave me new organs, the whole works. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I was so glad to be healed, but I felt inadequate mm -hmm. about living life other than being home, uh, doing housework, yeah. you know, uh, being a mother, et cetera, et cetera. Right. <clears throat> then one day I get a call. Uh, we'd like to offer you a job oh. as, a, as a bookkeeper at the church. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done book, they had no way of knowing that I had been a bookkeeper. Right. But I had not done that in years. And for me, it was almost like, oh, this, <laughs> you know? And anyway, my husband went out and uh, he got the application form so I could fill it in and yeah. filled it in. And sure enough, I got the job. Mm -hmm. See, that was God opening doors for me to That's begin right. to grow, to begin to change and develop character. Yeah. And I did the bookkeeping for many years. But during that process, he developed other giftings in me. Right. And, and I am here today because of the doors God opened yeah. and because I was willing to step through despite being fearful. Yeah. Now, did I, do I have this great anointing? Yes. And the, no. Yes. But I've got the anointing of God, just oh. like you do, just like Sierra. And, and God just wants to use us as we are. Yeah. We just need to make ourselves available. That's good. And that's the bottom line, yeah. you know. And, and we have to remember, if God's not leading us, let's stay behind that closed door right. until he does lead us outside of that door yeah. and says, this is the direction I want you to go. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Sierra? Well, I thought that was good how you said, like, kind of stay behind the door before going through because, like Pastor Mike said today, he was talking about how um, you don't want to get ahead of your appointing while you're in your anointing, like That's your good. training. Like, That's you don't right. want to go ahead because then you're not doing it with God. Like, you won't be standing, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I thought that was really good. Yeah, and it's scary when you actually uh, walk without God. Yeah. Um, you know, we all go through stages where we think, oh, I can do this or I can do that. And I'd be darn good at this. Yeah. And God is saying, that is your opinion. That is not mine. Yeah. So do what I'm calling you to do and you'll be successful. And stop trying to push yourself into whatever position That's right. that you think you'd be good at. That's right. I've seen too many people do that and uh, wreak havoc in their lives and the lives of others. Yeah. That's why it's important for us to listen to God and yeah. do what he says. And it's humbling too, even what Pastor Michael was saying about how God doesn't need us, right? Like mm -hmm. he wants us part of the plan, yep. but he doesn't need us. That's right. So if there's something that God's calling you to do, and like Christine says, maybe you're struggling with fear and you don't step into that role, like don't worry, like God's gonna find someone else. But it's a blessing to be able to serve alongside of him, with him, you know, be his hands and feet. Um, but it is a challenge. And I think that's, that's what's, that, that's what he does, right? He puts us out of our comfort zones, like, like what happened with Moses even, right? Like he said that, I don't know if he had a stutter. Did Moses have a stutter? He, he made a comment about different how his, speech, about his speech was not, you know, the best or whatever, but, but God used him to be the deliverance, to, to be the deliverer of the people, right? So 
you know, whatever, wherever you're standing today, maybe God's calling you to do something you've been pushing off for too long. Like, I encourage you, just maybe pray about that. Open your Bible and pray, like Pastor Michael said, because maybe there's something there that God wants to open up for you that could be a door that might change your life. Mm-hmm. You never Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like Moses. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe Moses was like me after 40 years in the desert and me after years of not doing bookkeeping. Yeah. We just figured, hey, uh, uh, how, how are we going to do this? Yeah. You know, but Moses, despite uh, the thought process. Yeah he still went forth and did what God called him to do. And he trusted that God would be with him and that he'd bring people alongside of him. We have to remember when we do something, he always brings people alongside in order to encourage us and and speak into our lives and help us walk through those things. Because doing ministry, no matter what you're doing, there will be challenges. Yes. But remember that God is there to help you to overcome everything if you are willing to listen and do what he says. Yes, it won't be always the easiest work, but it will always be the most rewarding. I I think anyway. Sierra, do you have any closing thoughts for us as we wrap up our, I kind of took the the microphone (laughs) today, I'm sorry. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like it would, (laughs) I'm gonna stand, like you guys kind of said everything that I was thinking, but in a different, way if that makes sense like you said what I was thinking and then elaborated on it and it was like I don't know I just kind of wow that's really good that's not cool (laughs) that's called teamwork Sierra that's right (laughs) that's God using every one of us yes (laughs) well we'll just wrap it up then I I want to encourage you tomorrow night maybe you don't have anything going on at 710 specifically we have the lighthouse that will be taking place tomorrow night and tomorrow night is going to be a night of healing so we usually do spirit soul and body so just pray right now maybe you have some things that you need to clear up with God we'll join in with agreement with you tomorrow night so Stay Mm -hmm. tuned for that. That will be on Facebook and YouTube. Or if you want to join the lighthouse in your area, let us know. We'll see who who we have around that maybe you can uh, go to their house and join them at the lighthouse there. Um, Other than that, I think we're good. Thank you for today. Service was awesome. Sunday was great as always. And everyone that was here at the Serbian Center or joining us from live stream, we were so happy to have you. And we love you very much. And we're very excited for what the future has for our church right amen okay and have a blessed day yes. yes have the best day of your life i am sarah this is christine and my friend sierra and we will be seeing you next sunday see you guys bye